before we break into a chorus of Michael W. Smith's Friends Are Friends Forever, let's look at an overview of our text. So our main idea today is going to be how to find and be a wise friend, how to find and be a wise friend. And I've given you some um, proverbs on a sheet of paper there. There's going to be eight that we're going to look at. But the questions I want you to think about that we're going to ask are, are you using wisdom when choosing friends? And are you a wise friend to others? Are you using wisdom when choosing friends? And are you a wise friend to others? Some of these proverbs in this list we're going to be able to look at from the perspective of look out for this and don't be this. Make sure you're not this to others. So we may look at it from a negative perspective as well. So first we kind of need to address the mechanics of what, what these different proverbs are looking at. And so um, Katie talked about the mechanics of proverbs when she did the overview the first week. And she had some things listed from Paul Twist. But um, one of the first things we're going to look at is... There's this word, rea, in Hebrew that means friend, and it can mean several different things. It can mean countryman, it can mean neighbor, or it can mean friend. And so an example of this would be, in this room, we're all Americans. We have neighbors in our communities where we live, but then we have friends who are our companions that we choose to be around, or we're friends in this room because we're a part of this church. Um, some examples of this, um, I have three examples from Exodus that the fellow countryman example, Exodus 2.13, when he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together, and he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? Companion there is friend, it's that word rea, but obviously they're not being friendly with one another, they're, they're trying to kill one another. The next one, neighbor, Exodus 22.7, if a man gives to his neighbor money or goods to keep safe, and it is stolen from the man's house, then if the thief is found, he shall pay double. And so a neighbor is this close relative, but it's also a close, not a close relative, but a close person nearby in proximity. And this is also the word rea. And then we have friend, Exodus 33.11, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And that's also the word rea. So in these Proverbs, we're going to see this word rea used a little bit in different ways. But there's also some other Proverbs that it may not directly say friend, but the Hebrew word may be the same there. So it makes it a little bit hard to determine um, this word friend sometimes. We distinguish, but in Hebrew they don't. And then also the context can determine meaning. Uh, Bruce Waltke points this out in his commentary that um, in Proverbs 19.4, it says, wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friend. Well, we use the word friend there, but obviously it's not a friend. Wealth brings friends. It's, it's kind of a play on words where it's not really a true friend that's going to stick with you because you're wealthy or you're deserted when you're poor. And Proverbs 19.6 also says, many seek the favor of a generous man, and everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. So again, it's kind of playing on words here of just everyone wants to be the friend of someone who can give you a gift. So so it may not even be used in a, in a positive way, that, that word friend. Um, Bruce Waltke says that a friend refers to a true or an ideal neighbor, like the ideal king in Proverbs 16, 10 through 16, and not a fair weather friend like we just talked about in 19, 4 and 6. So it's a true or an ideal neighbor. So, so a friend, and he uses the word hurea, it's an, it's an actual true, true friend instead of just this, this rea term. 
Um, there's also some verses that are implied about friendship. We talked about one of them today, and it's one of my favorites, Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. There's no mention of friendship there, but we know that that's about being friends with one another and holding one another up. So there's some different things and some different meanings behind this word friend that we, that we look at when we, when we look at these verses today. And then we need to talk also about parallel and A plus B than C. Now hang with me on that. Katie talked about this in her first lecture, that the Proverbs have parallels. And so that could mean line two of a, of a proverb is synonymous with line one. Line two could be a contrast to line one, or line two could expand line one. And so there's usually two lines in the Proverbs, except for one of the verses we're looking at today has an extra couple of lines, but most of the time there are two lines, and they will either expand on one another, contrast one another, or just be similar to one another and just kind of um, give the same meaning. Then there's a, an idea of A plus B, then C. So an example of this is in verse 2211. He who loves purity of heart, A, and whose speech is gracious, B, will have the king as his friend, C. So if you have A plus B, you get C. If you have purity of heart and speech that's gracious, you'll have the king as a friend. So those are some things we're going to kind of look at in the overall text today, too, is how they're parallel, how they match up. Are they positive or negative? And then this A plus B, um, then C, is in one of the ones we're looking at today. So we have these eight verses on friendship. And so let's go to the first one, Proverbs 17, 9. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Well, this is a parallel, and the first part is obviously positive. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. That's negative. So we're going to look at this from the, the perspective of you have a friend who covers an offense. This is, you know, forgiveness. This is someone who is, is not keeping a record of your wrongs. And then you have this rival or adversary who repeats a matter. This could be a habitual sin or someone who won't let something go. And this separates close friends, it says. Trumper Longman in Baker Commentary says, Love covers many transgressions, and friendship take, thinks the best of others and overlooks offenses. On the other hand, a person who harps on problems will drive another away, robbing both people of the opportunity to develop a relationship. Christian readers will be reminded of 1 Corinthians 13, which he describes love as not self-seeking, not easily angered, keeps no record of wrong. And this proverb probably is not intended to, the, to promote the idea that friends will never divide over an offense, but it's an observation that serves as a warning. It says, don't, bring up the, don't keep bringing up the faults of others if you want to enjoy an intimate relationship with that person. And so the question to ask there is, are you using wisdom when choosing friends, and are you being a wise friend to others? Dwayne Garrett, and he's a professor at Southern, he says the ability to practice the, the ability to practice forgiveness and discretion is essential for the survival of an atmosphere of friendship. Are you practicing forgiveness? Are you using discretion? Are you cultivating friendships with other people in that way? Or are you bringing things up and, and returning to, to faults or matters that, that um, have already been covered over? The second proverb that we're going to look at is Proverbs 17, 17, and this is a parallel, but it's two positives here. It may not seem like that at first, but it, but it is. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. So we have this friend. A friend loves at all times. That's unconditional love. We see an example of this in David and Jonathan in 1 Samuel 18, 1. 
As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. We talked about that a little bit this morning in our discussion time. But Jonathan and David, their friendship was so um, so genuine. They were, they were knit together, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Jonathan put the needs of David before his own and, and protected David. There's, that's definitely an unconditional love kind of friendship. A friend loves at all times. There's not exactly a rival or an adversary here like there was in verse 9 that we just talked about, but there is a little bit of a contrast. Um, there's an, the part about a brother is born for adversity does contrast a friend loves at all times. It's kind of saying that a brother's only there for you in an, an adverse time or a time of need. Bruce Waltke says that this par- these two parallels combine one's reciprocal, reciprocal advantage in both having a friend and a relative, but it contrasts between the friend who chooses covenantal solidarity and a relative who's born into that solidarity. Katie mentions that a lot, covenant solidarity, and how um, this in, in this example, it's a friend chooses to be your friend, whereas the relative, it's sort of an obligation for them to be. They're in your family already. It's an obligation for them to be there in a time of need. But when a friend comes by you in a time of need, it's, you can see that it's an especially important thing that they really are showing you unconditional love. Bruce Waltke also uses Proverbs 18.24 and 27.10 to distinguish between friend and brother. Um, Proverbs 18.24 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And Proverbs 27.10, which we'll visit again later, says, Do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. And this kind of focuses on whether that person is near geographically or not. If, it, if they're far away geographically or if they're far away emotionally, they are not going to be there for you like a friend will be when they, when they come to your aid or come to you during your calamity. So it's not necessarily negative. It could be perceived a little bit negative about the brother, but it's just kind of reflecting more on they have an obligation to be there, whereas a friend does not. Bruce Waltke also said that the friend is represented as always being present in good times and bad, and the relative only in adversity. I think I already said that. But a friend rejoices and weeps with you. That's Romans twelve fifteen, And a relative functions more as a safety net. But even in adversity, the friend's spiritual ties are better and stronger than blood ties. Are you using wisdom when choosing friends? Are are friends that you know coming to you in your time of need? And are you a wise friend to others? Are you going to your friends and being there for them in, in their time of calamity or their time of adversity? The third proverb we're going to look at is Proverbs 16, 28. And this is also a parallel, but this is two negatives. And so this kind of draws out what we're not supposed to be. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. There's two rivals or adversaries here. The first one is the dishonest man or a liar. And the second one is a whisperer or a gossip. It says they both separate close friends. This repeats that phrase from verse 17, 9 that we looked at at first, that any kind of negative thing in a friendship is going to separate um, friends that's not going to be able to keep them together. The negative's quite obvious here. We're supposed to stay away from this, and we're not supposed to be this to others. And so these characteristics of being a liar or a gossip, the Bible is clear that there's no place in the kingdom of God for those, and so there's no place in a friendship for those that's a Christian friendship um, founded on him. And so we know just we need to stay away from, from those. So look out for that. Make sure you're not that and make sure that you're being a wise friend or that you're choosing wise friends in that situation.
The fourth proverb here is Proverbs 22:11. This is that if A plus B, then C. It's not parallel. It's if A plus B, then C. But there's two positives here. He who loves purity of heart, again, A, and whose speech is gracious, B, will have the king as his friend, C. So this friend's character, it's pure of heart, gracious speech, these are things that are um, just valued and just worthy characteristics to have. Uh, Tremper Lawman in Baker Commentary says it all begins with a pure heart. If one's core personality is not oriented in the proper way, then the rest will not follow. But those who do have a pure heart will speak gracious words because words are the reflection of the heart. And that's from 1623. The result is positive. Such people have the king as a friend, and it's always good to have friends in high places. So this goes back to that heart language that we talked about just a few weeks ago with Proverbs 3. It goes back to the heart. What, are, what is our heart concerned with? Yes, the heart is deceptive, but if our heart is in the right place and if our heart is pure, we're going to see these, these characteristics outflow, this, this pureness of heart, this gracious speech, because the heart is the, the soul and the core of who we are. So there's a couple of questions here, too. Who is the king? Is it an honorable person? Is gaining the king as a friend a high honor or a reward? Well, yes. But looking this up, it could be referring to the ideal king in Proverbs 16, 10 through 16 that, that um, the commentator mentioned earlier. It's, um, some people would like to make the comparison to Christ here. But I think in context... It seems more like a metaphor here that to have the king as a friend is a high honor or reward. And so everyone, you know, wants the king as their friend like that. And as the commentator said, it's good to have friends in high places. Um, and so the king would be that in this situation. You want the king is someone that's esteemed. The king is like the best of the best. And so if you're having pure heart and gracious speech, you're going to have this king, this this great one as your friend. The next proverb, Proverbs 22, 24, is, is a parallel, and it's ne two negatives again. So it says, make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man. So they're anger and wrath. They're both things that we need to stay away from. But here, we need to look at verse 25 as well. You have to address both verses to see the consequence here. Verse 25 says, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. So it says, make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. So there's a consequence to being a friend of someone like this that's given to anger, that's given to wrath. It's going to overflow into the person that is, re that is receiving this friendship. Um, don't be this kind of person to others. Don't be around this kind of person because they're going to ultimately affect you in this way. This relates back to the father's instruction in chapter 2 of Proverbs where, the, where the, he's telling the son about choosing wisdom and folly, but also about his friends and his peers and who he's around, who he's keeping company with. Uh, Dwayne Garrett says the point is that one should be careful about choosing friends because they inevitably affect one's character. Something of the nature of Proverbs comes out here as well. Few things can cause parents as much anxiety as their child's choice of companions. And so this is one of those things where um, we want our, our children, grandchildren, uh, not only for ourselves do we want friends, we want our children and our grandchildren to choose the right kinds of friends and to be the right kinds of friends to others. And so this is an important thing throughout Proverbs that the father is concerned for his son and, and what kind of company he's keeping. 
So again, look out for this. Make sure you're not this. Make sure you're being a wise friend and that you're using wisdom when choosing friends. The sixth proverb is Proverbs 27, 6. And it's a parallel and it's a positive and a negative. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. So a friend, it says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. They don't gloss over your faults. The truth hurts at first and then helps. While an adversary, their faults, they're giving flattery. The kisses of an enemy are not good. Uh, Tremper Longman calls them the bruises. He says the bruises are those of a fr- the bruises are those of a friend and are declared trustworthy, means that they are inflicted with the good purpose of correction. In other words, the bruises must be the result of constructive criticism brought to bear by a friend. On the other hand, this is contrasted with the pleasant speech and actions of someone who's really an enemy, but acts as if they like others and want to affirm them. One must look behind the surface of actions to see what the motives are. Kisses are not always what they seem to be. And the example of this is Judas's kiss of betrayal in Matthew 26, 48 through 50. Remember, he, he went up and kissed Jesus, but his kiss was not um, for good reasons. He, he betrayed Jesus. Bruce Waltke also says these wounds, which were normally inflicted by an enemy when inflicted by a friend, symbolize his strong devotion and loyalty to the wounded. Likewise, kisses, which signify his disdain and infidelity for the one who he kisses. The wounds are a metaphor for the painful and plain words that must be spoken in a true friendship in order to heal the beloved and or to restore a broken relationship. If one knows the person delivering the painful word truly loves him, he can be confident that the painful words aim to do him good. So even though these words are painful for a, a season or a time, they they still are meant for correction and meant for good. And think about that in your life. Do you have friends that are that are speaking those words that seem painful but but are meant for your good? So an application here is that um, there's an article by Christina Fox on the Desiring God website that's called "Faithful Are the Wounds of a Friend." Um, but she gives an example of you're out to dinner with a friend and you have spinach in your teeth. And you, your friend tells you this, and you're embarrassed at first, and you wonder if anyone else has seen it, but you're so glad that your friend told you and that you could get it out, and then it's not, you've gotten it out, no one else can see it. They've found that, that fault, that thing that's wrong, and, and they've cleared it from you, even though it was a little bit embarrassing at the time. So um, this is a good example of what it's like to have that friend um, that delivers those faithful wounds. She goes on to say, in our world, friends who tell us what we want to hear are valued. People prefer friends who flatter them. They want friends who will respond to a problem about a difficult decision in their life with, you should do what makes you happy. Friendship in our culture often involves mutual encouragement to sin. She goes on to say that a good Christian friend will point out spiritual things to us that we can't see, such as sin and idolatry. They'll point out to us when we've wandered off the narrow path. They will show us areas of our life where we lack joy in God, relishing in the wonder of who he is and what he has done. A Christian friend who, who won't, a Christian friend won't tell us what we want to hear, but what we need to hear. Are you being that kind of friend to others? Are you, are you being a wise friend? She goes, um, Christina Fox goes on to quote Spurgeon, who said, true friends put enough trust in you to tell you openly of your faults. Give me for a friend the one who will speak honestly of me before my face. 
speak honestly um, before your friends, in, in front of them, behind their back, whatever. Speak honestly of them and speak truthfully of who they are and their character. Use wisdom when choosing wise friends. Use wisdom in, in your friends that you, that you have that they would do the same for you. Are you doing this? Are you being this kind of friend? The seventh proverb we're going to look at is Proverbs 27.9. Again, it's a parallel, and it's two positives here. It says, oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. So here, um, again, there's a Hebrew word here, and hang with me. My PhD husband helps me with the Hebrew words because I don't know Hebrew. But um, he said that, um, that the ESV translates this and as a it's a conjunction here but it translates this and as and but it could be and or or but it's the hebrew word vav and it could be any of those three and or or but so it's kind of hard to to tell here whether they're comparing or contrasting these two points um because when i first looked at it it could be oil and perfume make the heart glad it could be superficial and not enduring but yet a friend the sweetness of a friend is enduring but it could also be equating them. It could be the and and telling you what a friend is like, that it'll be a luxury to have this friend and it'll make the heart glad to have a friend. So whether it's comparing or contrasting, it's still focusing here on the sweetness of this friend. They give earnest counsel. They give good counsel. Trimper Longman says that this first proverb, the, the first part of it begins by talking about two expensive luxuries that make people very happy, but the second part celebrates the sweetness of a, of a friendship over one's own advice. Sweetness refers specifically to the effect of the advice that the friend gives. So this is similar to that previous verse we discussed about faithful are the wounds of a friend. A faithful friend will be truthful even when it's difficult to hear. And the sweetness of a friend comes from earnest counsel. Earnest, I looked it up, and it means resulting from or showing sincere and intense conviction. Oftentimes, like, we think of intensity as being something negative, and it could be, but that's why, we, that's why it talks about the sweetness of a friend here. A sweet friend will give earnest counsel, but they will give it in such a way that it is loving and truthful and given in love and not, um, even though they may be passionate about it or intense about it, it's still done in such a way that it is, and it's fruitful for their friend to hear. It's advising someone, um, even when it's difficult to hear, but doing it in such a way that it's loving and kind. Are you being this kind of friend? Are you, are you choosing um, your friends wisely? And are you being this wise friend to others? Are you giving this, this oil and perfume that makes the heart glad? Are you giving this sweetness and earnest counsel to a friend? And the last, the eighth proverb that we're going to look at, Proverbs 27, 10, um, it says, Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. So this one is the one where it, it seems almost like two separate Proverbs. Yes, they fit together, but it has an extra stanza to it. So it's not exactly, it, it is a parallel, but it's kind of an extra to the to the first parallel there. Um. But this proverb, this, this verse, it um, parallels the, the verse 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity because of this brother relationship here. That this brother, don't go to your brother's house in the day of calamity. Your brother's here in a day of adversity. 
Um, Bruce Walkie says this proverb envisions a situation when the son or the disciple suffers sudden calamitous damage, loss, and destruction and commands him to claim the help of a tried and tested friend of the family in favor of a distant blood relative. Such a friend is indispensable in distress. So we talked about that before with, with verse 17, that sometimes a friend, um, yes, sticks closer than a brother and can be there for us more in a time of adversity than even a family member might, whether they're far away um, or close by. And we'll see that in just a minute. Bruce Waltke says, In crisis, the son should turn to a, a tried and tested friend of the family who lives nearby and is ready to meet his needs. That would be the, the friend or the father's friend not to a relative who lives far away and or is not emotionally accessible. The proverb must be held in tension with 1717. The neighbor is a friend at all times and a relative is born for adversity. He uses that word neighbor there. Um, the tried and tested friend and true neighbor is one who sticks closer than a remote brother. So are you being that kind of friend to someone? Are you a wise friend that sticks close to, to a person that needs a friend in time of need, that when something calamitous happens in their life that you go to them and that you're there for them and you're taking care of them and are you seeking those kinds of friends in your life so as we conclude and wrap this up with the negative proverbs that we talked about regarding friendship it seems that the bible is pointing us away from these kinds of people and yet while that's true we also need to bear in mind that these people need positive influences to help them it's a slippery slope especially in our current culture that says get rid of toxic people in your life but the Bible does call us to love one another and to share the gospel with those who need it. So perhaps we can be a wise friend to someone who lacks that wisdom or who may not at first or ever return this same wisdom to us. But the thing that we need to have in place is that we should have other solid Christian friendships in place to help counter this. If we are helping someone who's not a believer or who needs to, to change this character, we need to have other solid Christian friendships in place that can uphold us so that we're not taken down by this other person. Um, another article on Desiring God by, is by Kelly Needham, and she said that the essence of Christian friendship is companionship forged in the fire of two convictions. One, that Jesus alone can satisfy the soul, and two, his kingdom alone is worth living for. So the essence of Christian friendship is companionship forged in the fire of two convictions. Jesus alone can satisfy the soul, and his kingdom alone is worth living for. And she goes on to give us five marks of Christian friendship. Number one, true friends heighten our joy in God. True friends heighten our joy in God. Number two, true friends expose sin in us that keeps us from God. True friends expose sin in us that keeps us from God. Number three, true friends encourage us to obey God. True friends encourage us to obey God. Number four, true friends bring us to God in our weakness. True friends bring us to God in our weakness. And number five, true friends love us for the glory of God. True friends love us for the glory of God. So our Christian friendship should point us to God, should point us to Christ. That should be the basis for why we have a friendship with, with other believers. Um, I'm going to end with um, just some lyrics from a song that um, 
that I just kept thinking about over and over again when, when I was doing this, this lesson on friendship and these, these proverbs. It's called More Than You'll Ever Know, and it's by um, a couple, Nathan and Christy Knuckles, and they were in a group called Watermark. That it was just the two of them, husband and wife duo. And they wrote this song. It's, it's from 2000, so it's 20 years old, but I, go look it up and listen to it. It's, it's a good one. But um, it says, Something brought you to my mind today. I thought about the funny ways you make me laugh. And yet I feel like it's okay to cry with you. Something about just being with you. When I leave, I feel like I've been near God. And that's the way it ought to be. Because you've been more than a friend to me. You fight off my enemies. Because you've spoken the truth over my life. And you'll never know what it means to me. Just to know you've been on your knees for me. Oh, you have blessed my life more than you'll ever know. You had faith when I had none. You prayed God would bring me a brand new song when I didn't think I could find the strength to sing. And all the while, I'm hoping that I'll do the kind of praying for you that you've done for me, and that's the way it ought to be. Because you've been more than a friend to me. You fight off my enemies, because you've spoken the truth over my life. And you'll never know what it means to me, just to know you've been on your knees for me. Oh, you have blessed my life more than you'll ever know. You've carried me. You've taken upon a burden that wasn't your own. And may the blessing return to you a hundredfold. Because you've been more than a friend to me. You fight off my enemies. Because you've spoken the truth over my life. And you'll never know what it means to me just to know you've been on your knees for me. Oh, you've blessed my life more than you'll ever know. Some of you in this room, I can say that about. And I'm so grateful for friends like that that have been on their knees for me. Some of you can think of friends just right off the bat when you hear those words that have done that for you in your lives. Again, are you choosing... Are you using wisdom when choosing friends, and are you being a wise friend to others? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much just for friendships. That's something that you didn't have to give us, but you gave us a special grace in giving us friendships and people to uphold us, people to sharpen us and draw us closer to you. We thank you so much for that for that grace that you've given us. And we thank you for the, the ladies in this room and the friendships that, that they can recall and think of and the friend, friends that they have. And uh, just pray that you'll just uh, convict us to be good friends to others and to to just lay aside the, these negative proverbs and knowing that, that we should never take on those characteristics, that they're not of you, but that we should use wisdom and seek you and put you first in our in our thoughts and in our relationships and how we be a friend to others. Let us be faithful friends who point people to Christ, Lord. So I pray. Amen.